Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. We're taking a little bit of break. It's been some hard times for Kansas State Athletics. You know, I think we all needed a break, but hopefully make it up to you. we got some good stuff coming. We talked to Nick Becky uh, a couple of days ago, and we'll have that podcast coming later. But for right now, we're, we're going to talk about signing day. So we brought on JT Van Schneider. How you guys doing? Good. Feeling good, man. Uh, We're here. day of covering uh, football recruiting, though. Yeah. And so Kansas State, it, it seems like pretty much uh, what we expected today. The 14 guys all signed. You know, obviously things will change uh, for the next signing day. But right now, Kansas State's class, according to 247 Sports, is 52nd overall behind teams like NDSMU and Memphis, but ahead of teams like Syracuse, Duke, and Kansas, seventh in the Big 12. Uh, they're ahead of TCU and Texas Tech. You know, nothing special, but but not too bad. I mean, what do you think about this class overall so far, Drew? You know, overall quality is pretty good. It's, it's a smaller class with only 16, but, you know, the overall quality is sort of mid-range, but it has a, uh, you know, four-star quarterback, and that's, that's really the key to this class. So, while maybe not overall that impressive ranking-wise, the player at the top really sort of helps things out for the overall potential of the class. Yeah, yeah. Signing a guy like that, obviously he's been committed to Kansas State for a while, but does him actually signing, you know, give K-State a boost for the, the February signing day, you think? JT? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think... You know, the way they've acted in the past, like the coaching staff probably won't focus too much on February. They're going to you know, fill a few spots with high school kids since it's been kind of a weird year. But, you know, I don't think that we'll see much of a boost from from guys that have signed. Yeah. 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 If anything, just having him this year could potentially help, you know, some of the skill position next year going into yeah. 2022 and be able to say, hey, look, we've got this, you know, stud quarterback here that can throw you the ball. Right. All right. And, yeah, so, I mean, Jake, he's the 247, says he's the number 14 QB in the country. K-Stap obviously beat out some strong programs for that, including LSU, Michigan, Tennessee, Penn State, Wisconsin. Uh, were there any other battles that, that the K-State was in, any other – kids that got big offers and decided to come to Kansas State? Yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, Andrew uh, Leingang, the center from North Dakota, that was a big battle between Kansas State, Minnesota, and Stanford for him. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, one that sort of came down to the wire. Kansas State was always favored, but uh, I think Minnesota made a real strong run at him late. They were able to hold him off. Omar Daniels, a cornerback out of Georgia was also a guy that he was getting some looks from other schools late, but they managed to sort of hold on to him. And you know, there was a couple of flips, like let's see, Martin, Martin. Martin. Yeah, yeah, that was he was a huge pickup late. That he was a formerly with. Uh, God, my brain's not working. It's been a long it's day, guys. Boston College. <laughs> Boston College. There you go. That one's kind of interesting because you know he had been singled out by Jeff Halfley, who's the head coach there now, who has apparently the defensive back whisperer. And <laughs> both of the, you know, the rivals in the 247 sites picked that one as a big, big flip for K-State to, to pull him away from a coach like that. And the fact that a coach like that wanted him, you know, is like, well, that's, he's probably pretty good, pretty good cover corner. 
Yeah, definitely. He <laughs> he was a big pickup after they lost the uh, kid out of uh, New Orleans to LSU. Yeah. And so they needed right. somebody to come fill that spot, and they did a pretty good job of flipping him late uh, to fill that hole. Also, Crew Jackson was a big win out of Arizona. I think a lot of people assumed he would stay in-state to either Arizona or Arizona State or go west in a sort of a random pull. Mike Tuiasopo does a good job uh, out there in Arizona and sort of the west for uh, Kansas State. So he was another sort of big pull that I don't think a lot of people expected. Yeah. That's interesting. Marvin Martin uh, battled with Boston College, and he's a kid from Mississippi. So go figure. But... Um, so, yeah, looking at the class, I mean, it seems like there's a good variety. You know, you've got some some linebackers, you've got some big guys, you got your quarterback, you got a running back in there. One thing that, that jumped out to me a little bit is, you know, there there isn't a tight end on the list. You know, you expect them to, to get one of those maybe in the transfers, and, and are there any other holes that K-State still needs to fill before next season? Yeah, I mean, they've got several young guys on the roster. They've picked up, what, two or three? young tight ends over the last couple of years. And I think they're pretty high on them, but yeah, they're, that's probably, uh, and I know Drew talked about this uh, in an article last week, but in his transfer article, but they'll probably go after at least one, you know, graduate transfer, uh, you know, Briley Moore type that, that wants to move up a level. I think a big one that they're looking at is Josh Peterson out of UL Monroe is his dad's, you know, the coach of the Eagles. <laughs> so. I think that'll probably be a big target for him. And I'm sure they're looking around to see who's available in the transfer portal, which I'm sure there's probably 100 tight ends. As if there's 1,000 players overall, there's probably 100 tight ends in the portal. So they'll yeah. be able to get somebody. Yeah, I think that's probably right, JT. I think that's, this is a spot. They actually did some, some big game hunting at tight end and came up uh, empty, but they were sort of able to do that because they do have Sammy Wheeler, Connor Fox, Cody Stuffelbean, and Will. Swanson, they're all believe they have freshman or sophomore eligibility next year. So they went after a guy like uh, Thomas Fedone, like he's a four-star tight end out of Iowa, and made a pretty good run at him, but uh, lost out to Nebraska. And I thought they had also had a really good shot at James Carney, who they sort of identified early on before he blew up. And he's a kid actually out of Nebraska, but uh, you know lost him to Nebraska as well. So that was one of those where they were in a good position to start to go after some higher level guys, knowing that if they didn't get one, that it wasn't a big deal. There wasn't really a need at the position. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, you know, talking about transfers, Drew, you identified uh, several. The most interesting one to me maybe is wide receiver, particularly after seeing a couple KU guys decide to transfer the last couple weeks. Do you think there's any chance K-State would go after those two? <laughs> you never know. I mean, it's, an, it's a short drive down the road. Uh, the, uh, you know, interesting, uh, very interesting, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I could see the appeal of not wanting to lose the rivalry game. So that would be. Uh, sort Unfortunately, of a, I don't think any of them are, are natives, you know, Kansans. They're, they're not from around the area. So, you yeah, know, they're, yeah. they're probably get you know, thinking about going home like a lot of k-state's transfers i actually thought the wide receiver class was pretty interesting for k-state just because the two guys they ended up signing 
are very similar to two guys they already have on the team. I like Brennan Hawkins' upside. He's a big kid out of Texas. He's about 6'4", 205 pounds. And, you know, he'd probably stand next to Chabaston Taylor and they'd look like his uh, little brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're almost the same size and probably about the same coming in. He's, he's going to have some stuff he needs to work on, but he's a big guy you can put out of there on the boundary and let him win, you know, one-on-one battles for jump balls. And then R.J. Garcia out of Tampa is really interesting because he, Joshua Youngblood, helped us immensely in his recruitment, and then he transferred. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Garcia decided to go ahead and stick it out. And he reminds me a lot of Malik Knowles. He's a you know six one six two, but sort of a, a skinny guy, real explosive, smooth, and uh, I think he he can come in out and maybe help right away in the slot. So he, he's a guy. Uh, yeah. so they probably keep your eye on because he's got that sort of uh, explosiveness that the offense is looking for. Yeah, yeah. So what about? I mean, in the transfer portal right now, do you, do you see any guys that have, you know, K State connections? Maybe guys that the K State recruited out of high school or anybody like that that uh, the cats might be going after. Changing ever so often. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. I know they've got they talked about a lot about the kid from Montana, Tory, I believe is his name. Uh, he doesn't have any connections, but you know, just they have FCS connections, uh, obviously. So right. that'll probably be <laughs> what position you know, is the way they go. Uh, wide receiver. Okay. I think that the main, the, the big recruiting battle that Kansas State has left right now is actually just recruiting Tyler Thompson to come back. Uh, like honestly, if they can do that, that'd probably be the biggest win they could uh, have at the moment. Because I think you put Thompson in, that gives Howard and Rubley a, a a chance to sort of mature, and have a, a year of uh, you know not being under too much stress. Will Thompson come in and do his thing? So I think that out of all of the recruiting battles left, that's probably the one that they they need to win the most. Yeah, I would agree so with you that. You don't think there's you don't think there's much of a chance that Ruby's good enough to, to beat out Thompson right away? Not right away. I, I mean, he's good enough. I think that uh, he's got the makeup. You know, he's his, he's the son of a former NFL quarterback, and he grew up, and his, you know, his dad's a coach, and his brothers both played, you know, pretty high-level football. So he's got the makeup to come in and compete for the job right away. But I think in the ideal world, you've got uh, Skyler comes back. He was looking really nice there before he got hurt. So I think bringing him back in, just having that experienced hand to sort of steady the ship, especially yeah. after this year, would be helpful. And I don't think that's yeah. you know an indictment of of Rubley or Howard or even Thompson so much as maybe the rest of the skill position players and the team as a whole. What what Skyler does from that team leadership standpoint, you know, he may not have the best arm in the QB room, but you know, he's got the experience. He's got the respect of his teammates. And like I constantly say, just reminds me so much of Alex Smith. Just, you know, like the, the yeah. veteran steady presence that makes you know, his teammates better. But, you know, he, he may not be the most talented guy, but, you know, he's he's going to make his teammates look better. And that's that's what you need. So Skyler could win comeback player of the year next year. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. And so, yeah, I mean, the guys that that would be very beneficial to have a regular spring football. So, I mean, we hope that happens. I wonder, I know 
you know, I cover high school stuff here. We had one kid who he signed with Washington State today. And he'd been kind of waiting and didn't find out until like a couple weeks ago that he was going to be able to enroll early, go in the spring, because it, it all depended on how many of the seniors decided to stay or not. So, I mean, does K-State have that going on too? And kind of, do we know as far as early enrollees? Uh, they're going to bring in a few, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think the last I saw was was six were planning on enrolling yeah. early, nope. and I, I the early enrollees I don't think have a whole lot to do with scholarships necessarily. But but yeah, we got yeah, I, I know Jake Ridley is for sure coming in, and and his high school buddy Braden Wood, Austin Weiner, the and his high school teammate Devontae Pritchard, and then uh, Go Powercat reported that Brennan Hawkins and Marvin Martin were both expected to enroll early too. So. Having both those guys early would be would be huge yeah, for their development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bringing in Martin, I think Martin has a chance to maybe make an impact next year, and uh, Hawkins will be behind Taylor. But you know, Wood may need to play. I mean, um, there's not a whole lot of defensive tackles on the team right now, so uh, I think Wood's a guy that might be able to come in and play fairly early. He kind of, he'll remind you a little bit. Of uh, oh my god, JT, take it. You know who it is. He reminds me of. <laughs> no, I don't. You don't. <laughs> oh. uh, it has been a very long day. He reminds me of the guy that just decided to go to the NFL. Oh, Wyatt but... Hubert. Wyatt Hubert. Thank you. Good. There God. we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he reminds me of Wyatt Hubert. He's a guy that is, uh, you know, can play inside, can play outside. He's not. I don't. He'll be a, a sort of a quicker defensive tackle, sort of a powerful defensive end that I think uh, will have and plays with a real high motor. He's a guy out of everybody that's coming in, other than Rubley, obviously, if Skyler doesn't come back, that could have a pretty immediate impact and fill a hole pretty obviously on the roster right now. Yeah. And, you know, any of those guys that come in the spring, I think have a definite leg up on, on being able to contribute more as a true freshman, just because obviously they've had that much more practice, that much more time in the college weight room than their yeah. fellow freshmen. So. Assuming yeah. spring football actually happens again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they seem think... pretty set on it. <laughs> We're going to give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. So I can talk about like Skyler, obviously the the big guy they got convinced to stay. But you know, there's a whole senior class that can decide they they can come back, they want to or not. I mean, I guess the default would be to assume that the guys are coming back. But have we heard any big announcements on that as far as who's who might be moving on, who might be sticking um, around? So we've seen a few. Harry Trotter, I know, is leaving. He just passed his real estate license. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's right. there's a few uh, defensive linemen, defensive tackle. What's his name? Drew Wiley. Boom. Drew Wiley and, and Boom Massey. I think both of those guys are trying to are trying to figure out what to do right now. I said uh, I think Wiley's probably gonna go. I, I I keep hearing reports or rumors that that he's got some big job lined up in hashtag real life. So you know it, that may just you know it. He's got his degree. It may just be time for him to go. I think Boom may want to come back just because yeah. it'll be the Boom show without having to play opposite Hubert. But losing <laughs> Hubert definitely opens up a, a spot there, time and, and scholarship. So that helps. 
for the 2022 class, which is actually going to be impacted by all of this stopped clock stuff. Yeah, and that's going to be a huge class for Kansas State because the state of Kansas is uh, abnormally uh, loaded in 2022. And I think Kansas State's got an in on a lot of those on a lot of those guys. So they're going to be pretty, I think, judicious with their scholarships to make sure they have enough to land the guys they're all uh, looking at in Kansas. Yeah, um, and that's, that's why they may not sign many more high school players this class. You know, if they're content, maybe pick up a few grad transfers, you know, hope get a, a few more of the true seniors to say just so so they, they can keep their, you know, quote-unquote 85 scholarships, but their actual impact is only like 70-something. So that 22 and 2, yeah, they'll have – they can actually sign 20 players instead of being limited to – a dozen or something where a lot of schools are going to have that problem. Yeah, definitely. This is going to be like the whole new world of sort of recruiting right now, just because I was like, well, how many players, how many scholarships do they have? have No idea. No clue. I'm not (laughs) sure how, how it's going to work out. Who's staying, who's going. That's the other thing with, and with all those players in the transfer portal, right now, I even think a lot of those guys are going to be left high and dry. I feel like, I think a couple of few of the Kansas State players that left are going to sort of regret their decision if it was their decision to make because there's going to be a scramble for scholarship spots over the yeah. next couple of years. Yeah. Um, I guess another thing to point out in this recruiting class, there aren't any Juco guys. Is that something that, that you think Coach Kleiman's trying to move away from or just kind of coincidence with this class? Well, with this this year, I mean, like, Juco's haven't even played yet. So, like, yeah. there's zero film on any of those guys. They're, I mean, they may wait until the spring and pick up freshman year. one or two if, if, you know, if they're sure they can qualify. But I know this staff's big on wanting, like, if they're going to get a Juco guy, they want him for the spring. Yeah. They want him on campus in the spring. So, like, the couple we picked up last year, they were they were on campus in the spring. That was that was a key for them. So they may still pick up one or two, you know, if, if it's the right fit in the right hole. But I I just don't see, you know, that market being very big for K State moving yeah, forward. I, I could see a defensive tackle potentially. I think there's a need for a defensive tackle for somebody to come in, and that's a spot where uh, you know a JUCO guy who might be more ready than say uh, a freshman. Conversely, uh, an offensive tackle. Uh, yeah, same way. that was the other one. An offensive tackle would be the other spot that I think that uh, could potentially lend itself to a junior college transfer or or a grad transfer. But I think that's. I think in the spring, for the most part, you're going to be looking at either junior college guys or grad transfer guys. I don't think they're going to want anybody that's going to hold down a scholarship for, uh, you know, five years. I think they're going to be looking for guys that can come in and make an immediate impact that won't necessarily impact the numbers going forward. There was one name I saw on K-State Online that interested me that talked about Jarrett Horst, who is the starting tackle for Arkansas State (laughs) and was on the 2020 Outland Trophy watch list. So, I mean, actually, you know, a decent kid deciding to, you know, do the, the grad transfer oh. thing. So he's clearly familiar, he's familiar with Manhattan. Manhattan. 
So yeah, he's man. been here. He's been on campus. Uh, <laughs> that may be something, you know, that you know, a seasoned offensive tackle to bridge the gap for, you know, as much as we're talking about getting Skyler back to bring the gap, bridge gap for, for Howard and Rubley, if they can build, you know, help build bridge that gap for Carver Willis and or Whit Mitchum at tackle. I think that would be huge for the O-line. Definitely. That, yeah. that's, that was definitely one of the spots that I think they're going to bring in some reinforcements because I just, I didn't see, I like Katori. I, I think he, he, but I don't think he's a left tackle. And I don't think that, uh, I don't, I didn't really see a left tackle on the roster other than, like you said, when they sort of went to the really young guys uh, as far as, you know, the future of the position. So I definitely think that would be a spot that they might look to bring in some reinforcements uh, on the offensive and defensive lines. And the way they like to build those guys with this kind of developmental program, you just, you can't, it's not like Alabama or Clemson where they just pull up the next four or five star offensive tackle or defensive (laughs) tackle that's just, you know, ready to go out of high school. They got to find some kid that's six, seven, 250 coming out of high school, but can put on 40 pounds and, you know, good weight, but also needs to maybe three years to develop in the college weight program. So you just described the one, the Austin Weiner. They just signed that guy. (laughs) Right. And again, he's listed as a tackle, you know, he could conceivably stay at 250 and be a tight end. He played some tight end in high school, but they want him at tackle just like his dad. So, yeah, no, he's, he's one of the real high, I think he's, he's a real uh, high ceiling, but probably a pretty uh, low floor kind of guy where, you know, if he is able to, able to make that transition, I think he'll be a great player, but it's always a question with those guys. What do you look like? You know, you're six, seven, 250 now can you move at 310 because if you're you know that tall you're gonna have to put on some substantial weight or do you look like you know 50 pounds heavier but if he can do it you know he's definitely got the frame and the pedigree i suppose to uh make an impact there two or three years down the line though like you were saying yeah all right well we're gonna take a quick break here from our sponsors we'll come back to talk about some more stuff and we're back. I wanted to, to address something real quick that, that uh, was released this week, and I figure recruiting is the time to talk about assistance as any. And um, I don't know if you guys saw USA Today released their assistant coaches' salary database. I think Messingham was like 121st or something, but and nobody else was even in the top 300, and that's you know among the D1 Power Five schools. You know, I guess it's not really surprising. You know, does that concern you at all? And how much does that limit the, the kind of assistant talent K-State can bring in? Um, I think we're paying low because because of where they came from. You know, that's still a lot of, you know, put up or, or shut up for some of these guys. Just yeah. I mean, just why they, you know, got climbing real cheap and he ended up signing the extension. I'm sure they'll probably, Gene Taylor's real proactive about those things. And I assume as part of Kleiman's you know, restructured contract. There was part of that was an addition for assistant coach salaries. Of course, they they lost a big one, a big number off of there when um, Scotty Hazelton left Michigan State. He would have definitely topped Messingham's number. So they're paying a lot mm-hmm. for the coordinators and not quite as much than for the guys below them. But you know, it's 
we'll see. I I think the jury's still out on a couple of these guys that yeah. need to, you know, another offseason to prove they can develop their positions before they earn that next contract. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, I think a lot of these guys are sort of wait and see sort of coaches. I, I really like a few of the guys on the staff. I think that Connor Riley is a really good offensive line coach. Yeah. And I think he's yeah. a guy that they're going to have heard, to play. Uh, We've heard Nick Lackey say very good things about him. So Yeah, no, I think he's, I think he's a guy that they're going to have to pay sooner rather than later. Otherwise he will, you know, be fielding other offers. You know, Malone's been around for a long time. I uh, I wouldn't honestly I wouldn't be surprised if he moved on this year, and not because he doesn't like it here, but because he gets, you know, a job offer at you know a, a G five that's looking for a head coach or something. I mean, I, that's his career path, and you know whether or not it's this year or next year, I think he'll move on here fairly soon. So. Yeah, I sort of, I sort of have that same feeling. That probably, probably won't try to pay to keep him at that point. Right, right. No, I think he, I think he's a guy that'll probably end up, like you said, at a G five school somewhere as a, as a head coach. And you know, we got a guy like, like Jason Ray is a young guy. I know the wide receivers struggled this year, but he's a guy with some pretty high upside. If uh, yeah, he was the Missouri wide receiver, right? Uh, yeah. 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 And so, yeah, I think he, recruiting wise, you know, young sort of energetic guy would be uh, somebody, you know, sort of breaking into the big leagues at Kansas State after coming with climate from North Dakota State. So he's one of the guys going to sort of have to prove uh, that he can develop Malik and uh, Sebastian and whoever else. Uh, we're going to play Keenan Garber probably in the slot next year. And so he's got some young, talented guys to work with. He's definitely one of those guys that could earn a raise or could earn, uh, you know, his way out the door. You know, I, I like him. I hopefully he, uh, uh, he earns that raise, but uh, I think you're going to see that with quite a few of the assistant coaches on the staff where they're either going to get paid or they're not going to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I was handing out raises, I'd give out raises to, uh, to Connor Riley and probably Buddy Wyatt, Mike, to a to a Sopo, I, I can't ever say his name right. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like the lines, the the O line definitely progressed well over the course of the year, and they played a lot of different guys there. And the defensive line has been a strength. Of course, it helps having a future NFL player at defensive end, but <laughs> but even and the interior, you know, we were pretty worried about losing guys last year, and Drew Riley just stepped right in there and put all those things to to bed. So, you know, I think. It seems like Buddy White and those, you know, they've they've got things going pretty well on the defensive line. That personally, if if those two, I'd I'd give raises to. Yeah, Tuiasa does a good job. He goes out west. He does all the recruiting out west. So a lot of the, you see a lot of the Arizona guys or anybody that we bring in from California. You know, he's good at bringing in most of the Polynesian guys we bring in. He's going to be their head recruiter, and uh, he does a good job of bringing in some of that talent which, you know, is always nice to see. So I think he's had a, a few uh, of those over the years. There's a, there's a small cluster of them over in Wamego, which is, which is really interesting. That's actually where Mike's son played high school football uh, mm-hmm. this year. He was over in, in Wamego here next to Manhattan. And, but the Godinette family, Taylor Godinette played for K-State here a while back, but they're, they're related to, to Junior Seau. 
uh, their cousins or something. So there's there's a small little cluster of Polynesians right around Manhattan. I'm sure that helps. Yeah, They're very like, family-oriented crew. Yeah, like last year we brought in Tyrone Tallini, who uh, you know came in and, and actually made a little bit of an impact sooner than I thought he would. He's sort of new to the newer to the game, but uh, you know he looks like he's the guy that you want to sort of come off the bus behind. He is a built like right. a, a brick house, and he's from uh, you know American Samoa, and I thought that was a really good sort of. Uh, late pickup. Uh, I think Tuyao Sopo helped him uh, sort of with the in on there, and there's a couple other guys out west that we were sort of looking at. So we had uh, uh, Paul Malher a couple years ago that I know that they were really hoping he'd play this year and and provide some young depth, and ended up opting out and now transferring. But Tuyao Sopo was definitely the lead recruiter on him as well. Yeah, so I, I think it's important to sort of, sort of keep him around. Uh, <laughs> give him a, his his uh check because he's i think he's doing a pretty good job of recruiting he's got that nice uh niche carved out and uh you said his position groups looking pretty well defensive tackle have done fine if not exceeded expectations yeah yeah if you're good for yeah. a gym or two a class then you're worth your comp car yeah. <laughs> i mean the good news is this is really so, pretty cheap in manhattan so uh, right you know, a coach not make an assistant coach not making a lot of money in Manhattan is still better than you know assistant coach at Temple or uh, one of those sort of bigger city schools where you actually have to uh, you know pay to live somewhere. <laughs> sure. So yeah, I guess the you know, other question I have for you guys is looking back at, at this class and the fourteen guys or really thirteen because Jake Ruby's not going to fit into this category. But who would you pick as kind of your dark horse to have surprisingly good? career at Kansas State, not necessarily, you know, next season, immediate impact, but just over the course of, of a career. Who, who do you like as a dark horse? For me, it's, I, I got to go with, uh, with Devon Weathers, big physical running back out of Web City. Part of that, I, I pick him because he smashed my, uh, my hometown Carthage Tigers in the district okay. playoffs yet again. Oh my God. Well, actually that's where my, <laughs> my parents grew up. That's where I was born, but I didn't go to high school there, but you know, still a connection there. Anyways, I've gotten to see him play a couple of times and he's just, you know, the big physical, that thunder back that definitely need opposite uh, Deuce Vaughn. I mean, can do some things, you know, in the passing game and stuff too, but he'll definitely be a guy that I think, you know, we'll be talking about here in a few years. Yeah, no, I, I like Weathers. I, I was, I've got an article that's going to go out tomorrow, sort of giving my thoughts on the offense of the early signing period. I, I thought he was a good pickup. He's sort of weird because I think we signed him as an athlete, and I think the original intention, according to him, was for him to play safety or, or be a big hmm. corner. But with the decommitment of what's his name now to get out of Jaden Williams, that hmm. he sort of stepped into that role. Um, I think I sort of liken him to you. I was trying to figure out he's a bit of a unique runner because you know he's taller than what you normally think of a running back because he's like you know six one, six two. I think he's got more of that gliding style. I think he reminded me a little bit of like a, a Wayne Gallman out of Clemson, uh, who's about that same size and was sort of an athlete. They didn't know if he was going to play linebacker. Uh, or always with Clemson references. Well, that's, yes, that's my uh, that's my. Uh, <laughs> frame of reference but if you're looking for a 6 195 pound athlete that was uh wayne Gallman coming out of out of high school as well who yeah. you know they thought he was going to play defense and then he ended up you know being a really good running back 
I think Weathers has that sort of potential as, like you said, a sort of a bigger back. And then other guys in the class, I would say I like, it's tough because they're all sort of in that same sort of category almost of like, you've got to see the potential to do one or two things really well. Drew Jackson, I think on defense is really interesting. Uh, if they, especially if they keep him as either a big safety or a linebacker, you don't see many guys with his size, you know, coming at 6'5", 200 pounds, played in the back end of defense in high school. I like him. But I think, I think one guy people are going to really like is Gavin Hazelhorst because he, like he hits like a truck. Like that's, if you watch his highlights, he hits people, they stay, they stay hit. Yeah. Um, and I still think they're not even a hundred percent sure where they want to play him. I, he's listed as a linebacker on the K-State recruiting page, but mm-hmm. he can put his hand down and play defensive end. He might, you know, end up being one of those kind of tweener rush linebacker end kind of guys that are pretty popular in the NFL, like the Boses and stuff where they, they can drop back in coverage, but they're really best, you know, just let them pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. Yeah. I, I think, I think he's a guy that you actually might see earlier, early in his career too. I think he might be one of the guys, I know two, four, seven sports, not the composite, but they're rating. They really like, they like him. They said, you know, he's the second best player in Kansas and uh, you know, overall real, like a real high three-star player, you know, moving up pretty close to a four-star guy. And I, I think he, out of, you know, the guys that you might see early on, he's a dude that physically is ready to come in and hit some people. Like I said, that's his thing too. Bro. He'll he'll knock the paint off your helmet. That reminds me a lot of Khalid Duke from two years ago now. That's the same thing, like, you know, raw, athletic, big dude that could play linebacker, defensive end. But once they let him just put his hand down and, and go, then – you know, he was, he's a force. So yeah, I think, I think Hazel horse could definitely end up like that as well. High potential. Right. High potential. I think, I think Hazel horse you know, on defense and, uh, and I like Weathers on offense as well. So I think those are two guys that you could see out, outplay their ranking. Uh, even though like I said, Hazel horse is ranked fairly high. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is, this is Clemens third recruiting class you know you could maybe say two and a half because he came in pretty late the first year but you know how close is he to really getting the style of football and the type of guys that he wants for the right fit and i know that's a kind of a difficult question but you know well he got the quarterback he got the quarterback and that that is the most probably the most important position in sports uh, as far as team sports and you get the right quarterback a lot of things (laughs) A lot of things fall into place, and so landing Rubley was a huge get for the future of the program. Obviously, it's a lot of pressure on the kid coming in, but that's you know you're asking when you're a four-star recruit, you get a lot of pressure. It comes pressure with the territory, yeah. yeah. Right, and and he's what the second highest rated recruit Kansas State signed in how many years? Second best quarterback after uh, oh. Freeman. Freeman, yeah. So yeah. You know, that's crucial. You get the quarterback, things, uh, everything else sort of falls into place. I felt like he had, I felt like Kansas State really got sort of short-circuited this year. They were came out off to a super hot start in recruiting, but COVID really put a kink in that. that yeah, I feel like they, they were definitely in a lot more battles early that they lost out on just because they couldn't get guys to Manhattan, which is like they're the biggest bullet in their chamber. And they just they couldn't use it, 
and that that really hurt them on on quite a few guys. Yeah, definitely. But the thing about they did went out this year, and starting athletes was the like number one concern, and they went out and got a bunch of guys that could play that play on both sides, that could play on both sides of the ball. I think he's done a pretty good job of increasing, you know, the speed overall on the team. A guy like uh, Daryl Jones out of Coffeeville is, is lightning fast. He might be your next small guy who runs real fast at Kansas State player. So I think overall, this is about as good as you could have expected out of such a weird, uh, weird year. You'd like to see them step up in the Big 12 ranking. You know, last year they were ninth, this year seventh. They keep building up, you know, jump another couple spots to fifth. Uh, that's when you start really stacking up the talent. But I, I like what he's done, especially on defense. And I, I sort of looked at a lot of uh, different metrics on that. And recruiting on defense is the most important thing. Uh, that's where you just got to get the most talented guys, regardless of fit. You just got to find the athletes. And I think in this class, you know, Ruby is the top. But then you've got Pritchard, who's going to play linebacker, is the second highest rated recruit. Martin is the third highest rated recruit. He's going to play safety and line game uh, there. But then Braden Wood is the next guy. He's a defensive tackle. Crew Jackson, Jones, Daniels. So they, the talent they stacked this year is definitely on defense, and it sort of tends more towards you know, athletes in the back end and the linebacker. So I'm, I'm happy with this class. I think it probably came in right around where it, where it should, or it maybe even exceeded expectations a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. And say that, you know, I was impressed that they stuck to their commitment to building that developmental program pipeline where you bring in guys like an Austin Weiner that need, you know, a couple years in the weight room or, Daryl Jones that was overlooked because he's from Coffeyville, Kansas, and a well, bad overall football team. But he's he's an incredible athlete and just uh, you know a little small and skinny, and just needs you know eat a few more cheeseburgers or something, and <laughs> and not go especially in a in a year like this. And they lost a bunch of transfers. It they didn't recruit scared here at the tail end. They weren't you know immediately trying to fill holes with JUCO players. Like they're sticking to the process. And you can see that in the overall makeup of the class. Just get a little better athletes each year. You get, you know, keep building the the depth of the roster and the key spots, pick up a gym here or there and just get back to work. And really, that's that was the key for Snyder's teams for so long there in the the 90s. And, you know, when he had K-State at the top of their game, that's what they were doing as well. Going to Salina and finding Terrence Newman and, you know, digging – John McGraw and Jordy Nelson out of Riley, Kansas, because nobody in the country was looking at Riley, Kansas uh, at that time. So, you know, it's very K-State-like, just upgraded for 2020. And overall, I, I think it's it's solid in the way, definitely the way they're they're looking to build this team. Yeah, yeah, I think Clem is the right coach, the right place, but he's got to win. That's right. All of this is all, yeah. of this is all of this is good, and you know we can talk about building the program and everything, but you got to win in the meantime. So, because you know sometimes uh, you see coaches that you know build and build and build, but by the time those guys are ready to pay off, they're you know sitting on the hot seat or. You know the the coach misses him by a year because he's already out the door because while they were building uh, everything, you know they weren't winning. So you got to right. balance. You got to build that program, but you also got to win. So yeah, I, I think you can. I, I think, think you can get that done. 
And I think we would be remiss not to point out that, you know, it's good to bring in these guys, but, you know, while pointing out that we shouldn't be alarmed by all the transfers that have been happening, because it's weird you're in all that, but you got to keep these guys too. You know, that's, that's part of building the program. So, and I have confidence that he'll do that. This has been very informative for me. I uh, appreciate that. You guys, uh, I'm feeling optimistic about this class. I guess that the last thing, you know, K-State Twitter is talking a lot about one more recruit. Uh, sounds like he's the toughest recruit in the class. Chris Kleiman says he's the hero of a lot of the staff. So, I mean, JT, can you give us a little bit of a scouting report on Gunnar Reed from Overland Park, Kansas? G-Man. Yeah, you know, one of those, uh, I don't want to call it feel-good stories, but, you know, it's uh, good things that you can do for the greater K-State community, you know, kid that's that's had what did I, th- I think I saw something like 30 surgeries, three open yeah. heart surgeries, 36 like, surgeries, three open just, heart surgeries. Just yeah. a battler, you know, big heart kind of guy that, you know, you want to, that positive energy you want to have around your program. And, you know, it's great that they were able to, to honor him that way and, and do something special for, for a kid like that. It's, it's great to see. Yeah. Five star heart, man. You can't beat that. That's uh yeah. You can't teach it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely good on K-State for, uh, you know, honoring that young man's real just absolute toughness because, God, I don't know, I've had like four surgeries and that was en- that's enough for me. So uh, <laughs> this kid is uh, absolutely, uh, you know, tough, tough individual, a great outlook on life. And somebody definitely uh, should uh, definitely be honored. And I'm glad that uh, K-State did that. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we'll see him around and, and he'll be able to celebrate some Kansas Day wins in the future. So uh, thanks a lot, guys. Um, appreciate you coming on. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. All right. So, yeah. Bye now. Let's go.